0: the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, the founder and CEO of Triple Win Advisory, Kate Gartner. Kate, you're found on the web at triplewinadvisory.com. Kate, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, I'm happy to be here, Josh. It's good to meet you.
0: Yeah, thank you. So tell me what Triple Win Advisory does. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, Triple I'm the founder
1: and CEO of the company. Um, Triple Win Advisory is a corporate sustainability consultancy that's focused on implementing business circularity measures within companies right, within industry. Um, What does that mean? Uh, I might just talk a little bit about the services that we provide. Mm -hmm. We conduct carbon inventories for companies. We perform materiality assessments, which is a very big fancy word for saying we go out to companies, stakeholders, employees, Mm. buyers, sellers, consumers, investors, and talk to them. Basically, uh, about their concerns around how the company operates and climate change impacts um, on their business and supply chains. We, uh, what else do we do? We um, we execute. We we customize and execute stakeholder engagement workshops. Mm. Um, so, really, to build the sustainability muscle of company stakeholders, but also socializing their good
0: works across their company globally. So how did you step into this role? Because it sounds like, I mean, (laughs) I would imagine sustainability is personally probably very important to you. So Mm -hmm. for you to say, you know what, I'm going to change the world and I'm going to get paid for it. (laughs) Yep. I know. Um, I
1: think what happened was it was probably always a part of me. I had another business about 10 years ago, started that in 2005 and it was a women's sustainable activewear company. So I designed, manufactured, sold through e-commerce and wholesale and through a flagship store in Manhattan Mm-hmm. these goods, right? This These sustainable activewear goods. Um, so they were made with 95.5 or 100% bamboo fibers, organic cotton, recycled polyester. I didn't just sell my apparel, I sold other people's apparel, but I also sold accessories and skincare products and body care products that were all either 100% natural or sustainable or USDA certified organic biodegradable. So I got my start there. And then I decided to go back for my second master's because I really had moved abroad and I was living in Europe and I saw how seriously they took sustainability at all different levels. Um, and I really wanted to expand my understanding and have a 360 view of what it took to be sustainable from a corporate perspective. So mm. I went back and got my master's in science in sustainable management and then focused my um, education there on what's called industrial ecology, which that's industrial ecology concepts is just a nice, um, it's been wrapped up in business circularity. So it's this idea of keeping Things within a supply chain,
0: materials within a supply chain. Mm, yeah. Um, what are some innovations that you've been seeing in and around sustainability that get you excited, or maybe things that are happening right now, or things that are on the horizon that folks should be kind of excited about? Um, again, from from more of a kind of a industrial commercial application that that actually is going to have potentially some some really positive impacts yeah i mean there's so
1: many some of them are very commercialized right so you all these these plant based meats that's mm. commercial right and it's scaled and it's in fast food restaurants like Burger King and McDonald's, uh, where people, if you, if they had a taste test, like meat lovers, like really hamburger meat, beef lovers, if they had a taste test, if they had all, you know, the lettuce on there and the tomatoes and the onions, the, you know, mustard, they probably wouldn't know the difference. And then on the back end, it makes them feel better and makes them healthier, right? So plant-based meats are an innovation. There's some really interesting innovations that have haven't yet been able to scale into the apparel textile space. So there's a lot of mushroom technologies out there um, that are trying to replace leathers, yeah.
0: right? And
1: so you're seeing some companies like Ecovative that have been trying to figure out how to scale. And so they've been using their mushroom technology to replace like, for instance, styrofoam and in packaging. So that it's all biodegradable, right? This, all these, these innovations can go back as biological nutrients into the earth. Um, there's another one out there. It's an old technology. It's called chemical recycling, but it's highly energy intensive, right? So until we can find a way to, um, and, and what chemical, I'm sorry, before I even get there, what chemical recycling is specifically used for is to break down plastics, right? Because plastics are not biodegradable for the most part. Right. And so chemical recycling basically depolymerizes plastic back into natural gas and oil. Mm. can decontaminate it in that process and then builds it back up into like little pellets, plastic pellets that can then re-be- can be reused into the supply chain, like like new, like Virgin. And so that technology is out there. There's a lot of companies trying to do it. It's just not yet profitable, right? Yeah. So those, those, so, and then other co- more commercial innovations, I think a lot of consumers know about, which is the durability model right? So instead of, for instance, you know, I was working with a, um, a makeup, a beauty company instead of having them put out, and this is not something you would know, but it, uh, uh you know, a six pack eye light, um, eyelash, um, eyeshadow, um, compact, right? Yeah, so a six palette. different colors.
0: Yeah. I, it's a palette. I, I, hey, Hey, I've got a you know white I I I I all all stuff. Yeah. So she, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hear the, 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 the makeup YouTubers going. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a big deal. So I,
1: you know, talk work with them on instead of putting out a new palette with new plastic and with new tins yeah. every single time so that people buy a new palette every time they go into Target. Instead, why don't you just have them say, you buy this one palette, replace the tins, replace the Mm. colors in there, right? And then that's called a durability model. There's also a refill model like Lacetane, right? You go in and you buy, um, I don't know, you know, shower oil or shower gel, right? And as soon as the bottle is complete or, you know, completely done, you go back in and they just have, you just pour new shower gel in there, pay for it, and bring it back to um, your home to use. So that's the refill model. So durability model and refill model. I think that's pretty, fairly commercialized.
0: Yeah, and so um, by the way, um, just for someone who's listening to us and they're they're kind of getting excited, you were talking about particularly using um, more mushroom-based, um, uh, materials in meats. I actually just interviewed uh, the seat C- Paul Shapiro, the CEO of uh, the better meat company yeah. found at bettermeat.co. better So they have like in Tyson's products can be 30% mushroom now. So it's really exciting to see. Now you, you think about some of these things that we're talking about, Kate, don't sound like they make a big difference. Oh, whoop de doo one, you know, one makeup palette. You know, we're we're cutting back on plastic in that one instance, one person. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you know consumer application, thousands and thousands of people doing this. It's like you know um, you know replacing one third of a burger with mushroom, and you can't you can't even tell. It's like if if we had to use one third slaughter, one third fewer cows. Would you be opposed to that? Most people would say, no, I'm not opposed to that, right? And so it's these these small incremental changes really add up. I'm sure that's part of, you know, the vision that you go in with, with some of these folks that you work with.
1: Yeah, I, you hit the nail on the head. It's called systems change and business transformation. It's these little tweaks, and they're not little, they take a lot of effort and there's some challenges involved. um, And usually it requires some technical innovation, but we are trying to transform how we consume and the behaviors, um, our consumptive behaviors Mm -hmm. to lessen our impact on the planet, right? I mean, that's the ultimate goal.
0: Yeah. Um, Kate, you have a really interesting background, you know, go, going through your, um, your, your LinkedIn, you worked with Sirius XM. You worked with a lot of fashion brands. You've worked with Time Warner, Ziff Davis. Um, what a, what a cool background and experience. How has that made you the right person for the role that you're in now?
1: Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you. Um, I would say that, all those experiences point to the fact that I like uh, disruption in industries, right? <laughs> so when I was in publishing, there was a huge disruption. You know, everything was going online. How were they actually going to make money, right? How were they were all they were? You know, the the publishing world was contemplating cannibalizing their sales, right? With mm. actual. Physical published magazines and newspapers, right? And now we know we're a world of digital. Um, XM Satellite um, Satellite Radio was a disruptor in you know the media and entertainment, the news and music space, right? And now Apple yeah. has taken that over, even though they they've they've. Um, Um, carved out a market for themselves. So I think that I like disruptive technologies. I I can see the path forward through them. I can see the trend. I think you could say that I'm an out-of-box thinker. And I think what systems transformation needs and the movement to stakeholder capitalism within the United States, which is Mm -hmm. this idea of considering more than just stockholders, Right? Um, considering everyone, communities and society and economic equity and environmental justice in your strategic business goals, um, you need to be an out of box sinker. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, what, um, and I don't know if you can think of anything, but let's say someone, um, you know just works independently they they're all virtual so they're not quite at that you know the industrial scale maybe they are shipping products um what are some what are some easy things that you think anybody can do maybe even at more of a consumer level that we can do just simple things and if we all do just a little bit you know that again it makes a huge huge impact any ideas yes
1: of course okay,
0: um, I would.
1: i would say <laughs> of course i do um <laughs> i would say from okay so as the pandemic hit there's been an exponential growth of digital marketplaces, right? So there there are, you know, a lot of companies exist and exist well and are profit generating and, and high growth revenue companies as digital entities. And I would say you have to consider your transportation and distribution emissions footprint. How are you getting your product to and from your consumers and to your warehouses, right? So there you have to, Understand what the levers are around your transportation and distribution. There, the other big thing from a digital marketplace for smaller businesses is packaging. How? What decisions are you making about what packaging you're using? How much? And um, what's the volume of those boxes, for instance? And there's a lot of opportunities to reduce um, material use, waste, and emissions just thinking smartly about packaging from an individual sustainability perspective. This is, you know, this is what my book is all about. Mm. Um, I would there's, I talk about eight impact categories, but, and those are quickly, if I can remember them, Oh my gosh. Okay. Transportation, energy, food, material, goods, waste, water, home and property and home and property can be combined, but let's just talk about three because three make up everyone's mostly Um, individual or personal carbon footprint. Transportation makes up 33% of people's carbon footprint. Energy use, so electrifying their home, heating their water, cooking their food, Uh, putting, you know, plugging in their electronics, right? That makes up 20% of somebody's individual carbon footprint. And lastly, food choices make up another about 20, 25% of their carbon footprint. So if you just take those three categories, transportation, energy, and food, and you think smartly about sustainability measures you can take, I'm I'm just going to say it, please try to consider leasing a hybrid or an EV. Or commute and use e-bikes e-scooters biking system scooter systems if you live in an urban environment i know it's not available to everyone but if you can travel emissions free that is gigantic energy everyone not everyone so we have 50 states in the us right so there's it's it's disparate the opportunities to lay claim to renewable energy, but everyone can at least call their utility and ask them, hey, do you have a 100% renewable energy sourcing option for me? And how much extra would that cost? In Portland, it costs 60, um, it's not 60, it costs six extra dollars a month oh. to source 100% renewable energy. Wow. In New York, I heard it's about $50 extra a month. Um, so it's it's all over the map, but consider it. Okay. Can you make that investment and maybe cut out two coffees a month? Right. If it's just $6 Mm -hmm. Um, and then food, I want you, I'm not, I'm all about moderation, right? I don't necessarily want you to be a vegetarian or a vegan. I don't necessarily say that you have to do that, but consider potentially if you eat meat at breakfast, maybe cutting out once a day the meat in your breakfast, or maybe every breakfast you don't have meat and you savor for lunch and dinner. And as you incrementally apply that, maybe you feel better. Maybe it just, you don't you like the taste of meat anymore. And you incrementally go deeper into sustainability measures you can employ.
0: Yeah um you know and congratulations on the book launch um called Planting a Seed 3 Simple Steps to Sustainable Living uh looks like it goes live in the, toward the end of October so yeah. by the time this airs it's live you can go get it where can where can people order it
1: Oh, uh, well, they can, they, Amazon, you can go on to amazon.com or they probably can go to one of their local book, bookstores. Um, Powell's is a big independent bookstore here, but it will also be on Barnes and Noble. And you can also go to my websites and, and get it
0: there. Um, what is this? Um, so I, I saw that you uh, are having a, had had an event um, and it looks like, uh, like a, a stack of cards. Is that oh, right? Oh
1: my God, Josh. Yes. So here it is.
0: Yeah. Okay. So for the, for the people who are listening and she just said, here it is, Uh, (laughs) what she's holding (laughs) is a deck of cards. Uh, But, but it's, it's kind of a um, cards against humanity size, maybe a little bit, (laughs) but these are cards for humanity. Uh, How do you like that? And, um, and you can see the video Uh, you can, you can keep holding the cards. They look gorgeous. Um, Nice packaging by the way. Thank you. Um, and so you can go to our YouTube channel and you can find my interview yeah. with Kate uh and you can see exactly what she's holding up. But I, I really love the design on this. Very cool. Thank
1: you. I you know, here's the thing: sustainability is this big abstract concept. It's yeah. just yeah, yeah. like this big grab bag of so many things that people feel overwhelmed. And I think what I want sustainability to be for people is accessible and fun and friendly and something that's additive and positive to someone's life, right? And not something that's detracting or a less than. And I, I, if that's the one takeaway that I give individuals today, it's that. Uh, it can be really fun and it can it can improve your life.
0: Yeah, and those simple those simple choices cumulatively make a big difference. Kate, how do you deal with the argument of Do you have a hard stop in just a couple minutes? No, I can oh, okay. go for a, okay. we have a few more minutes. Okay, how do you deal with the objection of people say, "Well, I'm not going to do it because my neighbor's not doing it, and I don't want to be inconvenienced." Um, you, I would imagine corporate. You see this frequently. It's like, well, for us to take on that extra expense, our competitors are not doing it. And so blah, 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 blah. How can you help them justify the the other person's not doing it excuse?
1: Oh, gosh, really good question. So I don't necessarily see it at the corporate level, because what I do when I perform carbon inventories, when I, when I, calculate the emissions that are going up into the atmosphere from their value chain, that's double counting, right? I'm actually taking emissions from all of their vendors and suppliers and putting it into the reporting company's emissions. And that's just a fact. And, you know, companies say, well, that's double counting, You know, that's, those aren't my missions. I said, well, wait a minute. They are your missions because you work with these facilities to create your product. If you didn't have that facility in Vietnam or China or Poland to create your product, that finished good that you sell to a consumer, then you wouldn't be in business, right? So you have to double count. That facility also has to count their emissions. So I don't necessarily get that from a, co- a company perspective. They understand that they have to yeah. take responsibility. On a national level, you do hear that. There's a lot of like finger pointing and, and blaming. Like China, China doesn't, yeah, China's gotta right. start something before US starts something. And you know all the developing countries rightly say, well, we're not gonna do it because we're the most burdened by climate change impacts, but it's because of you. U.S. is because of you, Canada, right? So we have to get out of that blame game. It's not us versus them. It's we. I think individuals understand that. And I think what I want people to under, uh, to really sort of internalize is that if you can understand what drives you, the values that you hold that, that drive your decision making and your commitments to what, what, you know, the commitments that you do in your life. If you understand what those are, for instance, if it's like all about saving money, you know, I've got to like, I've got to go with the cheapest options. It's got to save me money every single time. Great. There's sustainability measures for that. If I'm like, you know what, it's got to be healthy for me. It's got to improve my health and well-being. Great. There's a, there's a set of sustainability measures for that. And so if you can intersect sustainability with your, the, the, the things that you hold dear, that you value, then it should be additive. Um, And again, it shouldn't be this this pressure to do it just because it's good for the environment.
0: Yeah. And there is absolutely a business justification for sustainability because the market is asking for it. Uh, If you can communicate to your consumers that you are committed to sustainability, you will attract more customers. Certainly, you know, that if you have anything to do with, you know, marketing millennials and Gen Z, it's just, it's expected. It's expected. And if you're not, it kind of just makes you look like an old (laughs) fuddy-duddy.
1: It's kind of becoming, that is very true now. And it's even increasing that, that truth, right? Um, You, it's, it's value enhancing sustainability, corporate sustainability, and you won't be able to, you won't be able to land as much financial investments. If you don't take this seriously, you won't be able to retain top a um, um, employees to your company. You won't be able to keep them because they'll get frustrated, demotivated, and they'll, they'll check out and go to another company that's more sustainable than yours. So it is a primary value driver for organizations. You're right about that.
0: Yeah. Kate Gardner, you are found on the web at TripleWinAdvisory.com and KateGartner.com, where you can find information about Kate's new book, Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living. Kate, this has been fantastic. Uh, aside from the book, is there anything, especially for our, our uh, business leader listeners that are like, yeah, you know, maybe we could use Kate's help here. Like what, where should they go? What should they do?
1: So I think the first step is the realization that you have to understand your impact on the environment. Right. As a as an organization. And to do that, the best way to do that is to perform a carbon inventory, to understand the contributions of your company to climate change. Right. And so that is do a carbon inventory. The second thing is, if you are really a social impact business, if you consider yourself one or you're a member of B-Lab or your registered benefit corporation in your state, then uh, and you consider, uh, more than profit in your decision making. Um, you should potentially consider performing a materiality assessment, talking to your stakeholders and understanding what their concerns are for your business. Lastly, you take all those insights those findings, those learnings, and you build a strategic prioritized sustainability roadmap. And roadmaps are becoming increasingly popular because those are documents, toolkits that companies can also um, communicate out to the markets and to their stakeholders that this is what they've committed to over a three to five-year plan.
0: Yeah. All right. So go to Triple Win Advisory, our corporate business leaders, uh, and engage with Kate there. Kate, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it.